The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Hi, and welcome to Out of Office, the podcast about life and leadership. I'm your host, Malika Kapoor. Every week, I bring you a conversation with a newsmaker speaking at a Bloomberg Live Summit. This chat, which we record offstage, is informal and it's freewheeling. So we talk about things our guests don't typically get asked about during formal interviews, whether it's on stage or when they're in their offices. Things like, you know, their childhood, aspirations, mentors, first jobs, high points, setbacks, downtime, family and love. Because these influences make them who they are and define how they lead. Given my forefathers have been money lenders all their life, there's no accident that I wound up being a banker. He's now the CEO of one of the world's leading banks. Piyush Gupta, head of Singapore-based DBS, used to dream about becoming a diplomat. But... He told my colleague Enda Curran he's pretty happy with how things turned out. I tell people I've been banking 37 years and I can't think of a single day in those 37 where I regretted uh, the profession. I just loved every day of my job. So that's a good thing. Enda had a wide-ranging conversation with Piyush on the sidelines of Bloomberg's Sooner Than You Think technology conference in Singapore. And they talked about a range of things that included birdwatching, books, and a little bit of Bollywood. Here's their conversation. Piyush, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I read in a previous interview, described yourself as an accidental banker. Can you explain that a bit for us? Well, I grew up in India. My father was a bureaucrat, a government official. And so my aspiration and desire was to really become a diplomat, represent the government and travel the world. Uh, I wound up doing a business uh, degree only as a safety net in case I didn't, uh, you know, make it through the examination for the civil service. And the reason I went into banking is because it sort of mimicked the diplomatic service. They let you go overseas to train, see the world. Uh, I really didn't have too much of an idea what to expect in the banking discipline. As things happened, within the first few months of getting on the job, I realized that it spoke to me, it, you know, called for a level of skills, general management, communication, etc., uh, which I began to enjoy very quickly. Um, now, sometimes I joke, of course, uh, I come from a particular part of uh, the caste system in India, uh, which is the trading community and actually specifically within that, the money lending community. So one part of me thinks that, you know, given my forefathers have been money lenders all their life, there's no accident that I wound up being a banker. Uh, but it was definitely an accident. It wasn't, it wasn't designed. And have you seen any crossover in the world of international finance that you operate in and, and how you would imagine the world of international diplomacy to operate? Do you see similarities in the skill sets that are needed? I think at the end of the day, every business is finally about getting the people dimension right. And you've got to figure what makes people tick and how do you get the right nudges and cajole people in the right direction. So leadership is all about that. And I like to believe that if you want to be operating in the world of international diplomacy, you've got to think about the same kinds of issues 
as you do uh, therefore in the world of business. Yeah, so there is plenty of crossover. I do think. Uh, have you ever had any regrets uh, when you're sitting behind an Excel spreadsheet looking at your bank balance sheet? Would you rather be doing that or at the UN Security Council? <laughs> so first of all, I don't do Excel spreadsheets. Uh, I haven't had to. And uh, I tell people I've been banking 37 years and I can't think of a single day in those 37 where I regretted uh, the profession. I just loved every day of my job. So that's a good thing. By contrast, I've uh, been involved with a couple of UN agencies. I'm on the you know, United Nations, the Secretary General's Council, for example, of uh, sustainable finance, uh, digital sustainable finance. And I have to tell you, I think the pace of the global infrastructure, the SOFs, might have got me a little tired and impatient. The good thing in the private sector is you can move things along. Do you think, in a big picture sense, you could ever see a role for yourself still in the world of diplomacy, or is it just going to be finance all the way? Well, I enjoy my job. I think, you know, I'm a fairly decent banker. I think it's an area in which I can make impact. So, no, I don't really have any plans to look at moving on to a different kind of career. In fact, once I'm done with banking, I really want to do what my other passion is, which is environment and nature. Right, which is what I want to come to, actually. Some of the issues and, and things behind the scene that make you tick. What are your other, other interests away from the world of banking and finance? What do you well, look at? Most of it is about environment and nature. So I do spend a lot of time. I'm an avid bird watcher. Yeah. Um, I'm also on the board of BirdLife International in the UK. But more than that, I get out quite frequently to do bird watching and nature walking. So that's a hot button for me. Um, I read a lot. I'm very eclectic in my reading. So, you know, history, philosophy, fiction, a whole range of different things. Um, that keeps me engaged. Um, I meditate and do yoga, so there's a little bit of that. And I'm generally good with words, so I love doing the crossword. I write, you know, poetry sometimes, gibberish verse, etc., etc. Let me try and go back and break some of those down. So, where is the most exotic place in the world that you've gone for a spot of bird watching? Oh, I did bird watching in Iceland a couple of years ago, uh, which was uh, very different and very nice because you see a very completely different uh, element of birds. I was in Brazil, the border of Brazil and Argentina, the Iguazu Falls. And that's again a very different bird species from anything I'm normally used to. Uh, closer to home, I used to do a lot of hiking in the Himalayas. And so that's more familiar territory, but I've been fairly high uh, chasing birds now. Singapore is good in season yeah. because the migratory birds go through here. Uh, but you know, when I grew up in Delhi, I spotted 175 species in my backyard and around. And Singapore, you, there's no way you'd get that kind of variety. 175. 176, actually. Wow, <laughs> that's Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. What kind of history books are you reading at the moment and what lessons are you taking from whatever you're reading as to how the world can progress from the kind of challenges that we're facing these days? So I, I've been talking about two books which have been quite uh, useful. One really goes back 10,000 years and that's Yuval Harari's uh, Sapiens. You know, how did our species evolve and what makes us what we are? I think that sense of history and the roots from where it comes is quite important, including the Industrial Revolution and, and what brought us to where we are. 
the second book I read recently, which I quite like, there's a social philosopher from, I think it's a Dutch guy, a Belgian or Dutch guy called Albert Hirschman. And uh, he wrote a book in the 1970s called The Passions and the Interests. And I find the book fascinating because it explains how society in the 16th and 17th century changed from being centered around power and conquest to a society which became centered around uh, greed, uh, which means capitalism. Uh, so the shift was not just Adam Smith's uh, theory of the invisible hand, it was a conscious evolution of society. And so when I think about how we might need to evolve society in the next 10, 15, 20 years, uh, that period of history is actually quite instructive for what uh, society might need to do to rechange its orientation as we go forward. Okay, now what about um, your spiritual side? Um, are, would, you, would you consider yourself a spiritual man or you're a religious man? What's your... Well, I would consider myself spiritual because... Um, Less religious. Uh, religious is rites, rituals, and so on. Mm -hmm. I'm you know, less into that. But uh, the notion, I think to me, that there is something out there, a cosmic consciousness, right? And an energy form, and being able to relate with an energy form or being able to absorb the energy form, um, you know, can help you discover yourself differently. That's sort of loosely what I think about. I think it's interesting that physics takes you in the same direction. You know, when Einstein said E is equal to mc squared, basically everything really boils down to energy. And so I think at that level, yes, I, you could, I would categorize myself as uh, somewhat spiritual. Now, away from spirituality and when you're reading your books, you're something of a Bollywood movie buff, right? I enjoy movies, but yes, I enjoy Bollywood movies a lot. And, you know, it's part of my cricket and Bollywood. They're two things every person from India always enjoys. Is there a Singaporean movie I, that, that you like? Is there? Not, I've seen a few Singaporean movies, but none which I remember at this point in time. Crazy Rich Asians, is that? I enjoyed, list? actually I'm one of the few people, I enjoyed Crazy Rich Asians. I wouldn't call it a Singaporean movie, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was uh, entertaining. We've spoken about some of your life journey from your beginnings in India, your aspirations for diplomacy. You've ended up here at the top of international finance in Singapore. You know, the challenges that are facing the world, the challenges that are facing young people, are you more, are you net optimist or net pessimist for the world 5, 10, 15 years from now and where we'll be? So I have to say that um, I'm 50-50 and it's a bit of a cop-out. I think the possibilities are immense. And the possibilities of increased productivity, reduced labor, being able to create massive value that we've never seen before are dramatic and very inspiring. On the other hand, the risks are also immense. I think what's quite clear is income inequality is at an all-time high you're seeing significant concentration of wealth that's already beginning to create social angst. I think for sure economics 4.0 in the next few years, you're going to see shift left in most countries. A little more socialist, but mean, you know, etc. tax will go up. But the real issues that we still have to solve for are the questions of what makes us who we are and what civilization needs to be and what are the social contracts that need to bind us. And I worry that not enough thinking and work is happening on that front. Okay, Piyush, on that note, we'll have to leave it there, but thank you so much for your time today. All right, very happy to do this. That was DBS Bank CEO Piyush Gupta speaking to Bloomberg's Enda Karan, and I hope you enjoyed their chat as much as I did. Remember, you can find more episodes of Out of Office on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on the Bloomberg Terminal, or on our website, Bloomberg.com. We're also on Twitter and our handle is simply at podcasts. I have a request. This is a new series, so we'd love your feedback. Please message me. You can reach me on Twitter at This Is Malika. 
And if you can, please take a moment to rate and review the podcast. And I hope you'll join us again for more candid, informal conversations with newsmakers out of office. We'll be back in a week. This episode was produced by Laura Carlson. I'm Malika Kapoor. Thank you for listening. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.